Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the Yippie Market Podcast, brought to you by Mountaintop Data. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Christy Yoder of uh, Smart Virtual Assistants about delegation and, of course, using virtual assistants. Christy is the founder and CEO of Smart VAs. That's a virtual assistant agency. Uh, she was born and raised in the Philippines and now lives in Ohio here in the U.S., and uh, she grew her agency 10 times within three months of hiring her first virtual assistant and uh, now has a team of over 70 virtual assistants. So I imagine she has a lot of experience in both virtual assistants and in delegating. Christy, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thank you so much, Sky. I'm so excited to be here. So right off the bat, um, it seems like having 70 virtual assistants when I first saw that, I thought, wow, how do you manage so many virtual assistants? Then I realized, oh, these aren't your virtual assistants. This is your agency. They work for other people, right? Okay. Right. I was like, "How? I know you're about delegation, but how can you possibly delegate to 70 virtual assistants? You must have like a VP virtual assistant. They're not all yours personally. They're they're yep. working working all over the place. Excellent. How many virtual assistants do you have personally? Personally, um, I don't really consider them my like personal assistant because they do different things for me. I have like 10 people, 10 to 12 people in my leadership team now. And six of those are my project leaders. So we have project leaders who are managing our VAs so that I don't have to do it on my own. And we have sales, we have we have salespeople, marketing people, and also um, my supervisor and also my operations manager. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm uh, mixing things up. So we're going to want to define stuff a bit here. Um, a virtual assistant, a virtual personal assistant, a virtual employee, an AI bot virtual, I guess AI is always virtual assistant. Can you give a little breakdown of what, what is and isn't a virtual assistant kind of and what what you can do with one, just a to... okay. Yeah, I think that is a great question, and I think it's a, it's very important that we identify, you know, define what a virtual assistant is before we dive deeper, because you know we're not talking about AI here. You know, when I actually went to Google and um, type in virtual assistants, like I I saw like different AIs, and I was like Google. That is not what I was looking for. I was looking for like human beings, you know, and nothing really comes up, you know, when I search for virtual assistants that can provide services to 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 businesses. So the right. the kind of virtual assistants we are talking right now are human beings, people who are you know independent con contractors, freelancers who are assisting different types of businesses online. Now, don't get me wrong. I feel like a lot of businesses, when they think of a virtual assistant, um, aside from thinking that it's an AI, they also like literally think that virtual assistants are your typical personal assistants, kind of like your secretary physically who prints out the copy for you, who makes you coffee, you know, when you can't right. make So one. the first question, how does a virtual assistant make me coffee? Come on, Christy, this sounds like I a know, scam. Right? <laughs> I know. Well, I don't know. Maybe other people, they think about that, you know, so I just want to make sure that I clarify that, you know, a virtual assistant can't do that for you. So, so basically, again, virtual assistants are independent contractors 
with different skill sets. They are called virtual assistants because they assist people or they assist businesses online, but they have different skill sets. So they can do different tasks such as admin, social media, graphics, video editing, podcast editing, website management, so on and so forth. Like now, name the, the, the one thing you hate doing. There's a virtual assistant that can do exactly. that. Like, okay, you don't like the spreadsheet report? You can find somebody who specializes in that and can do it virtually. Yeah, the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee is that most of the time, you know, when you hire an employee virtually, you will give that person a lot of benefits. You know, you have to make sure that we you withhold taxes, you provide health benefits, you know, you pay for vacations and sickness. So that's the main big you know differences but with virtual assistants you don't really have to provide all those things because they are working for you independently so they take care of those things you know that you have to provide for a virtual employee your company also, takes care of those right they're so they're basically contract company, employees that are just the old school model you'd get the temp kind of um but this is a virtual temp right yeah exactly and also, one thing that you have to keep in mind, virtual assistants, they implement, they execute your strategies. So your virtual assistant is not a marketing, you know, marketing person. I think a lot of businesses, you know, they think that when they hire a virtual assistant, they expect their virtual assistant to provide a strategy, a business plan for them, which is very, very wrong you know if i must say because virtual assistants are there to support your business for um to implement and execute your strategies you the business owner should be the one thinking of the ways how you can grow your business and then the tasks that you need to do in order to grow your business those are the things that your virtual assistant can do for you now don't get me wrong there are virtual assistants out there which supposedly they should not call themselves virtual assistants because it's very confusing you know there are social media managers out there who provide strategic you know uh planning to to businesses but they are not really considered you know virtual assistants because You're they like are a high end consultant in social media yeah, yeah if exactly. you know how to build a marketing plan and then create the SOP for maybe a virtual assistant to execute, you're not a virtual assistant. You're a high-end consultant. You're, Don't you're expect not a virtual your... assistant. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that's actually one of the things that we communicate to our prospect, to our leads, to our clients that, hey, we're not a marketing agency. You know, we are a virtual assistant agency. Your strategy, your planning for 2023, that is your sole responsibility as a business owner now can we recommend strategies for you of course you know virtual assistants they are also their their experience and they, they don't know a thing or two about i mean they know a thing or two about marketing it's just that they want to stay on their lane um, right. especially for my agency you know it's hard when you're the the brain in your the hands right so you have to make sure that you know you know what you're supposed to be doing as a business owner and your expectations for your virtual assistants as well so they may be able to set up an email campaign in constant contact and have it send and report on it, but don't necessarily, don't expect them to come up with the concept, put together the email creative, um, you know, source the data and do all that kind of stuff. They're very specific skills. It's uh, like on a construction site. This is not the foreman of the construction site. This is the person who does drywall. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, no. But of course, you can ask your virtual assistant, hey, is this something you have done before? Have you had a client where you were able to, where your client taught you how to strategize or something? You can ask your virtual assistant, but you have to ask. You don't, you should not expect, you know, because virtual assistants, especially especially those who are in the industry for so long already, you know, they have had so many clients already and they have learned a lot from those different clients that they have handled. And so 99% of the time, they really know what the strategy is, but they don't just want to take on, take ownership of that responsibility because once you start strategizing, you know, it's like you are responsible for the result, right? Because you're the brain. you like, you were the one who thought of the idea and therefore you should see result. And so that's why, we don't do that in my agency, and that's why most virtual assistants, they don't provide um, strategic thinking because they're not the business owner or they're not the marketing strategist. They're, they're virtual assistants. Right. So they're, they're there for the execution of specific skills. They're humans, not bots, and uh, remote, of course, and then um, not employed by the company directly, but uh, a temp type situation. So you're really just paying, what is it usually an hourly fee? And are they typically full-time or is this a certain number of hours that you're paying for or certain tasks done? How is that managed? With my agency, they're, they are all full-time because I want to make sure that they have a fixed schedule every day. And I want to make sure that when we communicate with them, um, I want to make sure that they respond immediately because communication is a very important skill set for a virtual oh. assistant to have. Are they full-time with your agency, but the people they're working for, um, the people that they're hired out to handle specific skills for, are they full-time with a company? So if a company comes to you and says, hey, I want a virtual assistant to handle my... Um, you know, let's stick with email deployment uh, or newsletter deployment, something like that. Are they hiring that person on full time or they're full time with you, but they're hiring whatever hours they need from that specific person? The latter part. So they're ha okay. the, the clients are like just paying for the hours that they need. But we have like three different set of plans that a uh, you know business owner can choose from and that would be depending on their needs. But we are looking for, you know, working with businesses for long-term. We don't work on a project basis. You know, some businesses, they're like, hey, I need a caption for tomorrow. Can somebody get me this? And then after that, your relationship is right. done. You know, it's like we, Fiverr kind of then. You're just yeah, you're that's, going online saying somebody can do this for me in the next two hours and then your relationship's over. Um, yeah. So is that pretty standard in the industry that virtual assistants are kind of piecemeal? It seems like if you're having somebody do a specific skill, that's not a 40-hour-a-week skill at your company, probably. Yeah, you know what? That is uh, something that is really unique to my agency. You know, first and foremost, I hate talking about my agency because I really want to talk more about, you it's know, It's an volume. example. We're promoting. talking about yeah, virtual assistants, yeah, but you're, yeah. It, it would be but weird to use a different agency as an example, that's, so we'll that's let it true. pass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay, good. Um, So... I think the very thing that that is unique for my agency is that if you sign up for 40 hours a month, we provide a team of virtual assistants for the just for the price of one for 40 hours. So if you come to me, Sky, and you say, hey, Christy, I need somebody who can edit my podcast, who can edit the video from a podcast, who can post, promote the podcast to my email list and to my social media. And I need somebody who can do email marketing for me and website management. Those are three different people. We cannot expect one person, you know, to do all of those things because 
like what I said, each virtual assistant, they have different skill sets. So that's what we do. If you come to us with those specific needs, we will tell you, okay, we have people, we have three team members that we can assign to you so that they can help you implement your strategies and promote your podcast. Um, What if they say, oh, we want to, they've got 40 hours. Those three are using some hours here, some hours there. Uh, They have another thing and they're not hitting their 40 hours in the month yet. Can they say, hey, we need this too. And you just pop in another virtual assistant with another skill so they can swap them in and out on the fly as needed. Yeah. It's like a buffet of skills. Exactly. (laughs) That is the right term. Buffet of skills. Um, We, you know, we have 70 plus virtual assistants with different skill sets. So you can really utilize those those 70 virtual assistants depending on your need. We are very, very flexible. If you feel like this month you need the 40 hour and then the following month you need more hours, then, we'll upgrade you to the to the next higher plan and then we can downgrade when you feel like you don't have much staff. So we really want to work with businesses who are ready to scale because those businesses who are ready to scale, they are the ones who has a lot of many moving parts. Needs. And know, also in, they in need the more hours from you because you want to yeah, grow exactly. as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and of course, um, don't get me wrong. You know, that's how we do it in my agency. But if there are people or businesses out there who only needs like a social media manager for just 10 hours a month, you know, you maybe are not a perfect fit for to, to work with an agency. You may need somebody who is, you know, a solo virtual assistant who's doing their own thing. So it seems like benefit wise, there's uh, you have access to different skills, whether people are using your agency or any virtual assistant anywhere, you can get piecemeal skills that you can't. You're not having to hire a consultant and um, you're not having to hire a full-time employee to get these skills done. Um, So you're saving costs there and getting specific skills. That's great. Manage remotely. Um, That seems pretty good. What's the the most common use, I guess, for a virtual assistant in your company, if you know in general, if it's kind of st- stays in, in general, but what's what's the most popular skill, I guess? Um, the top three services that our clients are, are I mean, that, that are kind of in, dem- in demand in my agency right now. First is video editing, podcast editing, and social media management. And that is because of the rise of, you know, digital marketing. Hmm. Yeah, and a very specific skill there, something easily probably compartmentalized. All right, yeah. uh, what mm-hmm. about uh, other things? Can you rattle off some other services that people typically use a um, a virtual assistant for? I'm having to try not to say some of the things that they aren't. Not a personal assistant, yeah. virtual assistant. Most, yeah, most, uh, the most common thing is really, you know, admin, admin tasks, and that includes LinkedIn outreach, you know, or lead generation or any type of any form of data entry or Google research or any type of market research. But when somebody, you know, comes to me and they ask me, hey, Christy, what should I delegate? You know, I don't really recommend, well, then delegate your admin tasks, you know, because I I feel like if you are a business owner, you, you need to know what you are passionate about. You need to know your strengths and weaknesses. So what I tell them is, you know, to get a, well, first, you know, to have a vision for their business and know their goals, you know, because it's hard when you hire a virtual assistant and you don't know where your business is going because you are going to to lead your virtual assistant and you don't, and if you don't have a vision, you don't have goals for your business, you're not going to be successful. So what I tell them immediately and straightforward is that, hey, you need to have a vision for your business. You need to know 
what your goals are. And once you know those two things, then list down, list down, get a pen and paper, list down the tasks that you need to do and, you know, categorize them in different, you know, quadrants or categories, however you want to do it. So the first thing that you need to know is what are the tasks that you enjoy doing and you are good at? Do those things most of the time. What are the things that you enjoy doing, but you are not good at? Delegate those things or those tasks 90% of the time. The tasks that you don't enjoy doing and you're good at, delegate those 90% of the time. And sorry, the tasks that you enjoy doing and you're not good at, only do that 10% of the time. And then the the last one is the tasks that you don't enjoy doing and you're not good at, you know, there's not even, you should not even ask yourself, you know, you 100% should of the time. That. Yes. <laughs> 100% of the time. So the, the easiest answer for me to give is, you know, if somebody comes to me, Christy, what should I delegate? The things that you don't like doing and you, you're not good at. And how do you know what you don't like doing and you're not good at? It's probably the things that are sitting there untouched for the last six months. That's why. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And not, not a lot of businesses uh, enjoy, you know, admin work. Not a lot of businesses enjoy marketing work. So some businesses, they may delegate admin tasks because they don't like it and they're not good at it. But some businesses as well, they're very, very good in, you know, data entry and just admin and, you know, responding to people. They're very good at it. And so even though that is that is a simple task that you can delegate to a virtual assistant, I don't really recommend that because if doing admin work is something that fuels your, your, your soul, that gives you joy, you know, in your heart, then don't delegate that because I believe that we should, you know, as business owners, we should enjoy what we are doing. Interesting. So uh, after the show, we have to talk. I have a uh, an idea to share with you on uh, some of these some of these tasks for, for Mike. As you're talking, I'm like, wait a second. I, <laughs> I have I have a thought here for something we need to talk about unrelated okay. to the show. So I apologize to the listeners for covering uh, business there, but it just popped in my head. Oh, this is something we should uh, we should look into with you. Um, okay, excellent. So you have kind of a matrix there for what to hand off to personal assist, personal virtual assistants and um what to consider handing off to them. Um, let's say uh, okay, let's jump back and say, is there a type of company um that should and shouldn't be looking at using virtual assistance companies? Is this typically smaller companies? Well, regardless if you have a small company or a large enterprise, you know, you can hire a virtual assistant, but not every industry needs a need a virtual assistant. Tesla, you know, like they're factory workers, you know, you can you can depend on a virtual assistant to work on your car remotely and but but for businesses especially online who are doing their business online like e-commerce businesses digital marketing agencies um brick and mortar sometimes you know uh we have we have one client who not only have an e-commerce business but they also have a brick and mortar you know businesses so um even food industry you know most of the time you know restaurants you know because they need people to help them out with with social media and to market to promote their mm-hmm. their stuff online so they what they do is they hire a, an in-house you know marketing strategist who is an employee and then they outsource some of the tasks you know that is needed to 
for them to become successful in terms of digital marketing. So it really depends on on the business, but most likely, you know, the businesses that 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 do not need virtual assistant, as far as I know, are those, you know, like Toyota, Apple may may because they have e-commerce, you know, services. I mean, I'm just talking about you know big companies here because it's easy to know what they do. Yeah. You know? I feel but, like if you're but, really big though, you have enough of the work to be done that it makes sense to have an in-house employee. On the other side, one of the major benefits of virtual assistant, if it can be outsourced to a virtual assistant and you have 40 hours a week, I'm sure you know a virtual assistant would love that. And it's probably a lot less expensive to hire somebody to do it virtually from a company like yours than to have somebody work remotely from New York or LA or, yeah. or um, an expensive US city. So maybe it still makes sense for them cost-wise for some of these specific tasks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when the pandemic, you know, started, you know, Apple and Twitter, you know, all of their employees were working remotely and now they are forced to come back, you know, to to their physical office and, you know, the the employees, you know, they don't really want to go back to the office setup because they they love working from home so so that means you know that virtual assistants are really necessary you know for a business to grow because they can work and enjoy their time working on a company you know at the comfort of their home but also i hate to say it it's a you know the virtual workspace um post like covid just threw people into this and now it's it's expanded just everybody sees it as an option sure they want people to come back to the office but if you have an employee, I feel like Elon Musk has an employee who doesn't want to come back to the office, but that job needs to get done. He'd say, great, I'll just let you go and hire somebody virtual at assistant. a fraction of the cost to do the exact same job. Because if you're going to be virtual, there's no need for me to be paying all your benefits and paying your US salary, which brings me to uh, where are virtual assistants, yours and other companies in, in general? I mean, I imagine it's almost completely in it's countries global. that have a much lower cost per for the yeah. employees. Yeah, most virtual assistants they are residing in, you know, developing countries, you know, like the Philippines, also Venezuela or the Dominican Republic, you know, but we have virtual assistants in Canada and the United States and also Australia. So virtual assistants are like scattered around the globe. And you know what? When a business owner wants to hire a virtual assistant, you know, the, ge the geographic location of your virtual assistant shouldn't even matter because they're virtual, you know, like yeah. even if I live here in the States, if I decide tomorrow to go to Australia, it doesn't matter because as long as I have internet and I have my laptop, you know, I can work for, for a client. And so the geographical location of a virtual assistant shouldn't really matter. What should matter is the time zone because you have to commun uh -huh. you have to be able to communicate with your virtual assistant. And of course, you know, um, as, mu as much as I don't want to say this or I hate to say this, you know, your, your budget is also something that you need to, to consider, you know, because well, when that's you hire a big somebody, thing. Yeah. You can yeah, hire somebody in the Philippines or something like that for a fraction of the cost, get the same work done. And it, it occurs there's two sides to this, I feel like. One, you're saying, oh, we're sending jobs overseas. And the other side, I say, well, that's the market, right? That's the open market. But also, hey, you can sponsor a child in another country or something like that. Or you can give somebody a job in that country now. 
All right. You yeah. want to do charity in a country? Why don't you hire a virtual assistant from there? Now you're putting money directly into that and the person's working for it. That's the best charity you can possibly do. Um, so I'm sure some people see it as exporting jobs, but I think you're exporting jobs that can be exported and creating competition. And now it's, hey, you want it? Work for it. Um, and exactly. we've seen these countries, the the um, you know, the country gets lifted up once they start taking this kind of work. And I think this kind of work versus factory work. That was the old model. Factories come in, they exploit people, but it raises the cost, you know, it raises the living conditions because they are making money. And then eventually the wages raise too high. So they move to another country to exploit and pollute and all this. But when you're working digitally, it it's like you're getting the best of that. You're raising people up in that country and helping them out, but you're also getting quality work at a low cost without all the extra damages. Um, exactly. So it seems kind of like a social good for me to be if hiring this way. And if you're a type of business who values um, diversity, you can have a diverse team. You may have somebody from the Philippines. You may have somebody from Canada, Australia, in the States. You know, in, in my agency, we have team members here in the States, and but but most of my team members are based out of the Philippines. Or somebody who needs specific skills for that country. As a data com company, I know, you know we look to expand into certain countries and we need people that understand that country. We need people that know the language so we can understand exactly. just the character sets that are used in data and what common names are in that country and stuff like that. So you can access not just specific skills, but specific geograph geographical skills, I guess. You mentioned time zones. So I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe most of your virtual assistants are in the Philippines. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Because natural fit, you're from the Philippines. So um, natural fit there, but, um, time zones being specific, it seems some are being important. Some work, you really need to be able to communicate in the same time and some work not maybe. Uh, yeah. so do you have people like, um, I'd imagine Mexico, South America has shares a lot of time zones with the U S so you can get a similar, um, work situation there in a developing country with a much lower cost for a remote worker but sharing time zones. Is that a popular area then for the U.S. for these remote workers? Well, actually, um, RB, RVAs, you know, they're, although they're, they live in the Philippines, they follow American time zone. Oh, and the Philippines, is the Philippines is 13 hours ahead of the state. So when it's nighttime here, it's daytime in the Philippines. When it's daytime here, it's nighttime in the Philippines. So all my, my team members are working during nighttime night in the Philippines, yeah. night night shift, and that's very that's very common in the Philippines because not only businesses outsource you know virtual assistant tasks, but there's a lot of BPO or outsourcing company companies there too. I don't know if you have contacted you know a telecom company and you realize you're not talking from somebody from within the states because of their accent, and most of the time what? they are from no. the Philippines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and most of the time they're from the Philippines. So, you know, um, people in the Philippines, like especially young people, they are they are very, very OK with working at night. But to answer your question, you know, uh, utilizing global talents who are in the same time zone, I actually thought about that as well. So uh, our plan actually for next year is also um, to to check out virtual assistants um, who are located in Venezuela and also the Dominican Republic. Mm hmm. Right, right. To have those uh, same time time zone. So it then it occurs to me these virtual assistants typically they're um, 
time zone is not where they're living, but where they're getting paid. That's what time zone yeah. you live in. And they're living in a different time zone than they are physically in kind of. Yeah. And it depends on you as a business owner. Since I own an agency and communication is very important to me, I require my team members to work you know, at night to follow our time zone here in the States. But some businesses, you know, if you're only hiring a part-time virtual assistant, please don't expect for your VA to be up all night, you know, from um, from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m., you know, time in the Philippines, you know, because you're not paying them for, for full eight hours. So set a time with your VA and ask them if they are okay, you know, staying up maybe for like four hours at night to, to communicate with you real time. Right. Okay. So you said a specific, it isn't like they're always just up all night. You don't have just like a crew of vampires working for you. Um, they, they might <laughs> every, be, every night. they might be because if you are only hiring them for four hours, that means that they're going to look for another client to fill another four hours of their free time. So they might be online from for, for full, for full eight hours, but, you're not paying them for full eight hours, so don't expect them right. to reply to you immediately. I would imagine, ideally for them, part of the night they're in communication, and then it isn't like they're just up the rest of the night working on the stuff. They can work on the stuff leading up to that part of the night, kind of. So they get to straddle yeah. it a little bit with getting the work done, and then there's the communication on the work. It doesn't have to all be... Um, like there's no point in doing the work in the middle of the night when you're not communicating. Yeah, you can do that flexible. anytime. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Um, so looking to hire a virtual assistant, let's say a company thinks, wow, this is how, how do they go about it? I, mean, I imagine they just reach out to you and you tell them, but Hey, we're on a show. Let's tell them here again, your company as an example, of course, tons of companies out there, virtual assistants, I'm sure certain companies specialize in different geographies, different skill sets, that kind of stuff. Um, oh, so I guess first, do you guys have specific things you specialize in? Yeah, um, we mostly help digital marketing agencies, because most of our virtual assistants skill set are related to digital marketing. That's, so that's good because we're focus. all about marketing. I was just going to be really that's embarrassed. That's why I'm on if, here. <laughs> yeah, if you name something off completely unrelated, I'd say, oh, no, I should not have asked that question. Cut, cut. Um, okay, so you guys focus on marketing, but there's other agencies out there, I'm sure, that focus on just about anything under the sun that can be done virtually. Yep, exactly. Excellent. So they're looking to hire a virtual assistant for a specific skill. Um in, in marketing, let's say uh, something with a digital marketing, setting up, managing Google AdWords, something like that. Would that be the type of skill someone would have? Yeah. Yeah. So right. if somebody comes to me and they say, hey, Christy, I'm thinking about hiring a virtual assistant to help me with my Google Ads campaign. Uh, I am going to be asking a lot of questions, you know, to determine if we are the right fit for, for one another. But the the first thing that I ask them is, do you have an SOP for your Google ad campaign? Do you have a step-by-step -step instruction? Because, you know, if you an want SOP, to save a lot, of a lot of our listeners know, but uh, standard operating procedure, procedure, right? It's basically yeah. a checklist of where you should be able to give it to somebody with the skill set. They know what it's talking about and they can go through, oh, here's your, yeah, you want us to do this. Here's your password to log in. Here's, you know, mm -hmm. all the steps for your particular procedures for something. Um, you might be able to take, a virtual assistant just say, hey, here's the login, go manage our Google AdWords, but probably better if you have like some sort of structure and plan in place 
um, written down so it can be passed from one person to the next. I always, uh, we're big on that in my company. I call it the hit by a bus protocol. Even if it's a single person doing something, I say there has to be, I don't typically call it an SOP, but an SOP. Um, so if something happens to them, someone else knows what the steps are, what they do, how to do it, uh, that kind of thing. So having that sort of a step-by-step outline, you, you want to have that in place, basically, is what you're saying for these people. We we want to. And if they don't have it, then we, we're we going to be honest and transparent, transparent to them that that, hey, you know, and, and say, hey, you know, we can still work with you, you know, if we're the right fit, but, you know, we are going to create SOPs for you. Right. So, so do you have a we, VA that specializes in creating SOPs? <laughs> we've, we've trained, we've trained our VAs to create their own SOPs um, and just kind of outline the step-by-step instructions on how they, they do things so that, you know, when, Whenever their VA gets sick, you know, we have a backup, you know, virtual assistant who can take mm-hmm. over that task without even affecting, you know, the quality of work that the client is expecting. So is creating the SEOP just sitting down with the um, person that's hiring and saying, okay, then what do you do? Then what do you do? What do you do next? Okay, what's next? <laughs> kind of just going through the process with them and, and taking it down? Um, Not exactly. So what's going to happen is like, for instance, if you let's just use you as an example. So if you come to us and you want, you know, to set up your Google ad campaign and you have your own set of expectations, you explain that to uh, to us. And then we're going to go ahead and log into your Google ad campaign. And then from there, you know, from, 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 from the meeting that we had and from logging into your Google campaign and doing the specific tasks that you want your VA to do, your VA is going to document everything. So here, here is this guy's um, expectation. These, these are the do's and don'ts for doing Google ads. This is the budget. You know, this is the the start date and end date of the campaign. Um, and this is the login. And this is the, the graphics or the, the creatives, the assets that we are going to use or the keywords for Google ads that we are going to use or do not use this keyword because this is not good. So your VA is going to document everything, you know, from the time we talk to you and then from the time your VA did exactly the step-by-step, you know, task or the task that you want your VA to do. It dawns on me. It's almost like a VA is a super high-end intern. Like with interns, they say you have to have the specific (laughs) skills set up. You have to give them an outline for, um, it's, it's a high-end intern that you're, hell, probably half of the intern jobs in the U S you have to pay more now than, uh, than you do for a VA. But yeah, um, yeah, it seems like a similar setup as far as how to delegate work to them. Yeah, and the good thing about that is that, you know, when you decide to fire your VA and you you hire another one, you don't have to explain, you know, f- the full details of the task. You can just send your SOP or your document to, to your virtual assistant and then have them review it and then ask them to come to you if they have any questions. Right. Now, fire a VA, is that usually we don't need this anymore or... Sometimes do they just not work out and somebody needs to let them go and they want somebody else to do the same thing? It can be both, but most often time it's is that the VA is not giving the output that the client, you know, that the business owner wants or or most of the time as well, the business owner did not set the VA up for success because that is also our responsibility as a business owner, as a business leader, right? Um, Regardless if we are hiring a virtual assistant or an employee, we have to make sure that we set them up for success. And one step, the main main step to setting them up for success 
is to have you know an SOP because you want to make sure that your virtual assistant knows what you're expecting them to do and also other things like communication giving feedback and building a relationship with your virtual assistant you know those are some of the things that you need to do as well to set them up for success i i i'm just picturing some companies uh firing a virtual assistant because they're not hitting the uh, KPIs, uh, the key performance yeah. indicators that they expect in their Google AdWords or something. And that's a maybe a misuse of the virtual assistant since, again, their job is not to, you know, hit the performance marks. It's, you know, if, if the campaigns aren't getting set up or the things aren't getting carried out, but really whether your campaign performs or not doesn't seem like it's... Uh, it's, it's not on it's assistant. not on the virtual assistant because they're yeah. not coming up with the campaigns they're not they're just executing it if it they're fails you had it. bad yeah. messaging a bad product a bad something your keywords else. are probably not right you know you, mm. if you're if you're targeting marketing agencies and you're and you're getting you know leads from the healthcare healthcare industry then there must be something wrong with with the keywords right, right. so an agency or a, a um a company may hire a consultant to create their campaign let's just sticking with the google adwords a google adword uh campaign and framework and then a virtual um a virtual assistant would execute it yeah Is and also their... monitor monitor you know the daily progress of your google ads you know google ads it's not like facebook ad where you run it today and then you come back to it after a week you know because google ads you like you have to bid you have to make sure that you're bidding for the right keywords so you have to monitor it from time to time, especially if you have a big budget for for your Google ads. You're not not that that not that I know a lot about Google ads, but we have clients who have you know um, delegated Google ads. You don't have you to know. know. You have people who know clients. a lot yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the point. And, and we do marketing for my business too. We use Google ads. <laughs> yeah, of course, and I'm sure you have a virtual assistant that manages that mm -hmm. stuff for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Um. So. Can you give some examples of things people shouldn't be using virtual assistants for? What are some things people have tried to have them do for you and that is not really a good fit? Well, first, again, your virtual assistant is not a business coach. They can't provide strategy for you. They can't advise you on anything. You know, they can they can recommend on something. They they can recommend something, but don't um don't give them what you call it the, the full responsibility of uh, because of what they said to you or because of what they recommended. Second, they are not salespeople. They may be able to do sales tasks, but they can't provide results for you again. You know, if if they if they do LinkedIn outreach on, on LinkedIn, you know, uh, and you give them the strategy, you know, you can't expect them to to get you a certain amount, a certain number of leads every week because, you know, you getting leads depends on your messaging right, right. so if they execute well, the strategy and it fails it's not that they didn't do their job it's that your strategy sucks your product your sucks messaging your messaging sucks, sucks yeah. something about it something else it's not the va carrying out the task yeah and you should not hire a virtual assistant if i mean some people they do this but you should not hire a virtual assistant if you don't have a plan for your business because when you do your planning for your business, you you should already integrate virtual assistants 
there or even you know team members that you need to add to your team you know because as business owners right we need to make sure that we anticipate the things that we want to do in the future and we should be able to be two steps ahead of our business you know especially in the economy that we have right now you know the inf inflation is getting really really high and it seems like the economy is not kind of stable right now so when you do your business planning you really need to know what you want and what you don't want, you know? So right. think long-term. So if you hire a virtual assistant, think long-term. Because when you hire a virtual assistant, that virtual assistant also need needs to, to, to feed their family. You know, don't just use them because you want something like a simple task to... to to be taken out of, out from your plate, you know? So like, okay, I'm going to hire you, but after a week, you're done, you know? You know, don't be a user, you know? That's what Fiverr's assistant, for. Go on TaskRabbit or Fiverr for, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, your virtual assistant, you know, is there, you know, because they want to make a living, especially if you're outsourcing from out of the country. They need to make a living. They have a family to support. And so please work with them long-term. But of course- Have you ever other... have you ever dumped a client for- um? Onloading and offloading people too regularly? Uh, not specifically, but we have fired fired a few clients for not being res respectful to us and not being just kind. That's got to hurt when you get fired by your virtual assistant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a wake-up call for people. Like, hey, <laughs> if, if you me, get fired it's... by your virtual assistant or you are expecting your virtual assistant to guide your business forward, then maybe you're just not a leader. Yeah, because you really gotta be a good leader, right? So yeah, that 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 sucks if your virtual assistant, you know, ended up not working with you and not liking to work with you because there must be something wrong. Sometimes, you know, I trust me, I've met a lot of businesses who are pointing fingers to their virtual assistant. They blame everything to their virtual Could assistant. Could be a scapegoat. Yeah. If, you hire yeah, them. As if, as if they have provided clear instructions and communication to their VAs, you know, sometimes they delegate like, Hey, I need, a, I need social media captions for work for a month. And they're like done. They expect their VAs to read their minds and know what they want. Right. So that seems yeah. like it's a, uh, there's office politics and it seems like some managers could use virtual assistants as a dumping grounds as a, somebody has to go down for this. I can hire a virtual assistant and they can take the fall for me anytime there's a problem. I'll it's gotta be pinned on somebody. They don't want to take the blame. Uh, you gotta be a bad person for you to do that. <laughs> plenty of bad people. I think I gave this idea to someone else on another show, but um that is a business idea for me is the fall guy business where you have an executive and things are going wrong and they don't wanna get the axe, so they need somebody to blame. So you basically a consultancy agency where you go in and take the fall for them. You get you get hired as soon as they know, uh-oh, somebody's going to get axed for this and it's probably going to be me. They bring you in to be the person that takes the blame and get fired. Yeah. I will a... give you a very <laughs> nice example. We've experienced this a couple of times. So we have a client, we had we had a client and she hired a marketing um strategies uh, which is which is um not from from the from the Philippines and then and then she had the marketing strategies, you know, act as like a, like a virtual manager or whatever, like a project manager. And that marketing strategist was the one who communicated, who communicated to our virtual assistant. And, and our virtual assistant have sent a lot of, you know, um, documents for approval to that marketing strategist. And she couldn't keep up 
with it, you know, and and she ended up not approving a lot of, you know, posts for social media. And she blamed us. She blamed, I say us because I consider my virtual assistant and me, you know, one. So she blamed us, you know, my virtual assistant, you know, for for poor quality of work. Where as a matter of fact, it, it was her fault, you know, but could it could have been, could it be, could it could have could have it been done better? Yes, if there was communication, but there was no communication. So, you know, just to set uh, like a real example based on what you said, it can really happen. But please, whoever you are listening to this podcast, if, you, if you're thinking about doing this, don't hire my agency. <laughs> I suggest you offer a fall guy fee, though. Look, if the person is going to blame it on you, say, we can fight this. Or for an extra an fee, we'll just be like, yeah, we messed up. <laughs> Yeah, because you're going to try to blame this on us. It's your fault. And we won't say that. We'll just say, oops, are bad for an extra fee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Nobody in your company has to know. (laughs) There's an extra fee for you screwed up and you're going to fire us. It's a fire Mm -hmm. us quietly fee. Uh, Executives Mm -hmm. have that. Like, yeah, I'll go away, but you got to give me a severance package, right? Because I know exactly. I I won't create Mm -hmm. a stink if you give me a severance package. Mm -hmm. You guys need us. Just call it a severance package. Okay, you can let us go quietly, but there's a severance package needed here. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Which takes me to the next question in a nefarious backdoor way here, but um, security. Are there security risks with the virtual assistant? And it seems to me there's certain um, certain types of work that maybe just aren't cut out because of potential security risks of shipping sensitive information, uh, passwords, access to certain platforms um, overseas. Not something you want in an SOP and just anybody else the next day to be accessing. Yeah. Um, that that is a good question, um, and we have had uh, you know a few leads who asked the same question, and what we tell them is that you know if you're going to share your passwords to your virtual assistant, please use LastPass or any type of or any similar tool to share your password, and we actually have clients who want who wanted to share their credit card information, and we're the ones who said no, we don't want to be accountable for whatever. Um, is going to happen you know so passwords I don't think that is going to be a problem because you have LastPass you know to to protect you but when it comes to like credit card information even me you know I trust my team but I'm still not comfortable 100% because you don't really know what's going to happen once you have that information and trust me there's a lot of scammers you know not just in the Philippines but You've been here in the everywhere. States, even though you get embezzlement you know, in the US lot, yeah. with people that come into your office. It's uh yeah. somebody working remote in another country, there's there's an extra layer of concern there, I'd say. Yeah. And then when it comes to like confidential information, like for example, if you want to hire a bookkeeper, like a like a virtual assistant bookkeeper, uh, you already know that whatever you're um receiving or whatever your income is or your revenue on a monthly basis, on a yearly basis, your virtual assistant is gonna know that. And so if you if you're the type of business owner who wants to delegate that to someone, you have to you have to realize that that is something that you have to share with your virtual assistant. Otherwise, they won't be able to do their job properly, right? So and be um, nice to them, especially nice if you're having them do your accounting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and you have to build a relationship with them so that you have peace of mind as well that this person has, you know, a has integrity. 
Okay, I got a couple other things. We're getting close to the end of the show here. I, I want to get to. Um, do you have a favorite, um, a favorite technique? I guess for managing virtual assistants, not as the person running a team of per- virtual assistants that gets hired, but um, when when delegating with a virtual assistant, is there are there any little tricks that you really like that that help make that effective? Yeah, um, and this is very simple but this may sound very simple but trust me not all businesses are doing this meet with your virtual assistant and give them feedback because you don't really know if your va is doing the work or the your va doesn't know if they're doing a great job without you giving feedback regardless if your feedback is good or not feedback is feedback you know and that is something that your virtual assistant you know, needs to have, and it's our moral obligation to tell somebody the truth, you know, especially if you're, mm. if you're firing them already. So you need to give them feedback so that your ideally VA before you fire them. So you don't have to, yeah, before you, before you fire them. Yeah. So that you give your, mm. your VA a chance to improve. Right. So it's not an AI bot v- where you say it didn't do the right thing. I'm going to get rid of it and get another one. They Remember emotions. it's a human, it's a human being. Yeah. It's the benefit they of it is it's a human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So communicate and give feedback. That's it. Very Excellent. simple, but not all businesses do that. Oh, it just seems naturally though. You think of it as this completely disconnected, non-human, yeah, thing that's doing the tasks almost, and that's part of the benefit is you don't have this emotional human connection in the office. It's like no, no, have that. It works better if you do. Um, yeah, or get yourself an AI bot. But uh, <laughs> which okay. an AI, AI bot can even do what a virtual, what a human being, virtual assistant can do. Oh, of course not. No, no. Well, that comes to my <laughs> next question. How much of a threat is AI to the virtual assistant industry? I mean, I'm sure it's taken over some things, automation and AI, but is that a big concern in the future that um, Siri's going to be uh, doing it all? Uh, I don't think so, really, because it, it's not really a threat, but but rather it's a compliment. You know, we use automation too. You know, we automate and we delegate. Like for instance, for for LinkedIn outreach, you know, when we send our messaging, we don't manually send our messaging. We have an automation tool that we use. And then once a lead or a prospect, you know, responds, then a human being, mm-hmm. you know, intervene and you know, communicate. So it's with not that replacing; person. it's enhancing what it's you can enhancing, do. It's kind of. enhancing, complementing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, and then um. Okay, so AI is enhancing it. Those bots and tools all enhance the work that that you guys can do. Uh, looking into the future, what do you foresee coming in the virtual assistant space? Obviously, there was a huge change with everything going remote. Um, any big changes you see coming in the future? Mm-hmm. There's there's going to be a lot of virtual assistants. People people are not going to be wanting to work in a cubicle. They don't want to. They they won't want to go to to the office because they know that they can work from home. So there's going to be a lot of virtual assistants, you know, in the future. But the one thing that you have to look for if you're looking for a, a virtual assistant is the value that the virtual assistant can give you. Because what's going to happen in the future is, again, the ge- geographical location is not even going to be a factor. And even how much you pay your virtual assistant shouldn't even be a factor because 
even though somebody is living in a third world country, you need to pay that person what that person deserves. You know, if, for example, your 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 virtual assistant here in the states and your virtual assistant in the Philippines, they provide the same value to you. You know, you need to be a little bit generous to your to your virtual assistant in the Philippines because it's not all about you know money anymore. It's all about the value that your virtual assistant is going to provide to you. And after a year or two or three. You know, your virtual assistant or virtual assistants in the developing country, they're not going to charge you $5, $6 anymore. They know right. how much virtual assistants here in the States, you know, charge. So they're going to want to charge, you know, a higher amount too. Because first, English is not their first language. So they had to study for that, you know, mm -hmm. and they had to like make a lot of adjustments, especially if they, they are working, you know, during graveyard shift, you know, you have to take that into consideration as well. You know, they're like, staying up all night to work for you yeah okay so but also it's a lot less expensive to treat a virtual assistant in a developing country well than it is to hey, yeah. uh keep somebody here in the u.s happy which half the time even if you pay them more than you should for some reason they're not happy it's like hey you can keep these these people can be really happy at a fraction of the cost so don't go full Amazon on them and try to just keep your employees at the maximum level of disgruntled that keeps things moving. Um, might as well love, have them be happy. I love my community here in the States and I love the people here in the States, but the culture is just very different. Uh, it's it's really very different. And that's yeah. for another topic, actually. <laughs> so we're running out of time here. We don't have time to get into that, for God's sakes. Okay, yes. well, thank you for coming on. We've We've hit the end of the hour here. Um, I think we covered everything pretty well. Um, show notes on this episode, of course, you can find it at ifumarket.com. Uh, Christy, you can find her on LinkedIn um, at smartvirtualassistance.com is their website and uh, christyyoder.com. Again, all that information will be on the show notes. Uh, Christy, anywhere else that you'd like people to um, to be able to find you? Yes. Um, well, actually, you already mentioned it, christyorder.com. You can check out my websites there. And also, don't forget to listen to my podcast, Master Delegator Podcast. Oh, excellent. Yeah, you want to know more about this, the Master Delegator Podcast. We'll have a link on the show notes for that as well. And I imagine that's all about delegating to virtual assistants. Yep, different stories. Mm -hmm. Oh, stories. So you have some of the little things we hinted on here. You might have some specific uh, examples. Yeah, uh, some, sort some, of, yeah, some employees come on and tell their horror stories. <laughs> oh, that's actually a good idea. I have not done that. That would be fun. <laughs> yeah. And then people who, who um, your clients know, hey, don't end up, you don't want your story being told here. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Or, or we're going to change their name. <laughs> of course, yes. Change the name to protect the guilty. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Thank you for coming on the show again. Uh, check out the show notes on ifumarket.com for more information on Christy Yoder. And uh, please do share us on social media, um, share it around your office, share us on LinkedIn, uh, let people know about the podcast. Uh, every little listener helps. And uh, on behalf of the Ify Market team and Christy Yoder of Smart Virtual Assistants, thank you for listening to the Ify Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with a virtual assistant, they will come. Are you looking for new leads or always in need of quality contacts for your marketing campaigns? But list companies and online tools are the worst, right? Well, then you've got to check out Top Data Search by Mountaintop Data. At Mountaintop Data, we're a team of weird people that actually like getting our hands dirty with sales and marketing data, and we specialize in business contact information. 
we compile and maintain a database of tens of millions of targeted high quality business decision makers with emails, phone numbers, mailing address, and all the information you need. Go to topdatasearch.com and request a free account with the promo code IYM1000, like if you market the podcast here, and get a free account with unlimited searches, no seat fees, and 1,000 free record download credits. That's topdatasearch.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.